RadioInfluence.com. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting episode of Sitting Ringside, The World's God Mad, Part 3 edition. As always, we are happy that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. And uh, as we said, The World's God Mad, uh, this is the third week of hopefully a short-term situation. And as we speak right now, which is on a Wednesday afternoon, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry, but boss... But uh, WWE is actually pre-taping WrestleMania as we speak because tomorrow at 11, the Orlando and Orange County, which is where the Performance Center is, has a uh, stay-at-home order. And we had talked about how they were trying to catch up because nobody knew when that was going to happen. There was some thought that... Uh, Hillsborough County was going to be under stay-at-home order on Monday. I actually listened to that phone call, and the mayor lost, and the city council won, but they have another call tomorrow, which will be Thursday, and I know the county that you live in next door uh, goes into effect on Thursday as well. So this is what it's come down to, folks. Uh, Forget about not having WrestleMania live. It's being pre-taped as we speak in the afternoon, and will air uh, on, I believe, 4th and 5th of April as quote-unquote scheduled, I I guess. So we'll have to see what that looks like. We talked a lot about that last week if you didn't get to hear a very unusual edition of Sitting Ringside. And uh, we're going to be a lot more stringent today. And we're going to be talking to the Executive Vice President of Impact Wrestling and my co-host for tomorrow night, if you're listening to this as we drop on Monday, on Axis TV, uh, special one-hour revisit to TNA Wrestling with a live show, bringing back uh, many of the the stars and uh, promoting what was supposed to be uh, There's No Place Like Home pay-per-view that has been postponed for obvious reasons, but hopefully they will get back to it at some point this year or next year, I guess. Um, So Scott Demore will come on to talk about the current situation and how it affects Impact Wrestling, a little bit about... uh, his decision to uh, make Tessa the world champion, and we'll talk a little bit about TNA and a little bit about the Scott Steiner situation from backstage as well. And uh, happy to report that uh, he is looks like he's going to make a full recovery, as doctors say, and he's feeling great. So uh, thank God for that. Got to tell you, in uh, uh, you know, in, in tough times, this was a tough week. I. Um, I watched the part one of the Dark Side of the Ring with uh, the story of Chris Benoit and Nancy and and, and all that, um, which for those of you who know me or follow me, uh, listen to this podcast on a regular basis, know um, uh, Chris was a Nancy or part of a group in a town called Peachtree City, Georgia, which some of the wrestlers lived at. It was a group that included Steve Regal, William Regal and his wife, Dave Finley and his wife, uh, Johnny Grunge and his wife, uh, a uh, cameraman called Darwin and his wife, who was a, worked for WCW uh, for longer than I did, and Chris and Nancy... And uh, that was sort of our social group. Uh, when we had a weekend off, we'd go to the local Japanese place uh, or we'd go meet somewhere for drinks. And that was part of the social group. And as time went by, and this is, again, we've talked to Jericho about this a little bit as well and other people, Chavo, in past episodes. If you haven't gotten to listen to those episodes and you're interested in this subject, I suggest you do because both of them, as you saw if you watched the special, have a huge insight into uh, what happened with Chris. But I, 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 me and my wife saw parts of Chris Benoit that nobody ever saw before. And, and I wouldn't say that I, I, I had a, any feeling that what was coming was coming, but I will tell you that when I heard what happened, uh, I wasn't shocked, and I knew exactly what went down before they announced it. Um, if you remember, WWE was doing a, a tribute show to him, and if you remember, um, Steve Regal, his comment was, I don't want to talk about Chris the person. I want to talk about Chris the wrestler, and then talked about how great of a wrestler he was. And he knew. Um, 
So, uh, so, so it's, it's, it's tough. It was tough then. And I kind of thought, you know, well, it's been 10 years, 11 years, 12 years. And so sat down because, you know, wanted to, you know, all I've been watching is cable news and local news, trying to figure out, uh, what's, uh, when this madness might, uh, end. And, uh, so I thought I'd, uh, we'll watch something different, take away from the madness and uh, was one, one of the roughest hours I've had in a long time. And look, I'm not looking for pity. I've had a great life, got to live my dream. Uh, it, it was, if you saw it, part one at least, I still have, as we speak on Wednesday, part two aired, or the entire thing aired uh, on Vice last night. Um, I have not, uh, and I don't know when I'll be in the state of mind, quite frankly, to watch part two. At some point I will, and I'll give you my thoughts. But... Um, Kind of hard to watch the Kevin Sullivan part of the, the special uh, in a lot of ways. I almost wish they didn't go there in such quote-unquote detail. And I will say for the record that Kevin has told me many times that what was alleged on that show never happened. Uh, not going to point fingers at anybody because everybody has their story. Uh, it would never be acceptable for a man to strike a woman. But uh, just kind of why go there? Uh, it's been, it's been a lot of years. I, I will tell you that I was right there traveling with Kevin and Nancy during this, th- their tough times. And I never saw anything like that, but doesn't mean that, you know, what ha- things didn't happen behind closed doors. But again, I'm not sure why they had to go there, but it is what it is. Made me very uncomfortable. I will tell you funny story. Anybody that knows Kevin Sullivan knows that, um, that he loves hot sauce on his food. I mean, bring me three bottles of hot sauce to the table if uh, when you when you serve me my food. Uh, so there was an incident. I believe it was New Orleans, um, but I, I can't remember exactly what city. But there was an incident where uh, they were trying to sell this whole angle between Kevin and Chris and Nancy, which at that point was a work. It was a work. Uh, they were pretending they were working. And they were working the boys in the, the office, and I think they ended up working themselves, unfortunately. Um, that Chris and Nancy were having an affair behind Kevin's back. And um, it was a time, I believe it was in a bar in New Orleans, that in the hotel bar that they got into a quote-unquote fist fight. Um, and so I remember after this fist fight, quote-unquote fist fight, uh, Chris and Nancy and I... And, and, and in hindsight, I think I know why they took me. I went out and had some breakfast. It was, it was like midnight or one in the morning, but, you know, we had breakfast and, um, at a diner. And I think that they probably took me because they knew I was a little bit of a busybody, like to tell stories, and they could get me, if they could get me to buy what they were doing and start talking about it, and, uh, you know, they were cuddling up at the restaurant and all that. Maybe they thought that, you know, I might go around, and I probably did, and, and tell stories and, um, and, 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 and spread their narrative, so to speak. And... Um, I'll never forget, and this is tough stuff to remember, but I'll never forget. I don't think I've ever told the story before on any podcast anywhere. I think I told my wife for the first time that night, that, the story. Um, but uh, at the very end, when we were getting ready to get the check, uh, Chris goes, uh, I need something to go. I'm, I'm still hungry. And so ordered an entire fresh breakfast to go. And Nancy looks up at the waiter and says, when you pack it, could you put in a ton of hot sauce, please? Boom, they stooge themselves off. I think they took me there to, uh, to try to sell me on it, and they stooge themselves off. It was obviously for Kevin. Nancy was bringing Kevin back food. And then they had, obviously, they had to smarten me up. Uh, and I, I went with their, their story until it was real. And then we went with their story because they moved to, uh, to the city that we lived in. And... Um, so it was tough. Uh, I don't have a lot of other things to say about it. Um, you know, I've answered a lot of questions on Twitter at David Penzer. If um, I'm not shy to talk about it, it's actually therapeutic a little bit. Uh, I remember somebody, I guess in part two, uh, they showed some pictures or uh, video from inside the house. And somebody said, must have been, because they assumed I watched part two and said on Twitter, must have been strange to see 
uh, inside the, the pictures from inside the house that you had been to so many times, they had t- taken themselves so far out of that social group and so much in, in, in away from everybody for the most part, other than like Chavo and, and, and if you hear Jericho, they only texted with Jericho. He didn't talk to Jericho. They had taken themselves so much out from that group that even though they lived in the same city, when we heard about what happened, one of the biggest things we were shocked at is that they moved. We had no idea that they moved to a new house. Uh, that's how quiet uh, and, and, and they, you know, they, and, and how far they pulled out of that social situation, I think because, uh, you know, some of us were starting to see that Chris had some, uh, some issues and, 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 and aside to him that, that nobody else saw. And, and, and one other thing from the part one that really got to me, and, and, and Jericho's talked about it a lot, but until I saw the visual, uh, I, I never, uh, the recreation, I, I it never dawned on me uh, quite how much it crushed Chris was uh, Eddie passing. I, I, you know, Chris Jericho had, had told me the story. Chavo told me the story. Uh, I've talked about it to different people. But I think until I saw it on TV and I saw the pictures and I saw the, the visual that they did of the person that was playing the shadow of Chris Benoit sobbing and Jericho telling the story, uh, how the, should the tears, his, uh, Benoit's tears at the funeral went through his sports jacket to his shirt. I, I don't think I, I ever, I know I never realized how much that, crushed um chris so and then johnny grunge died a couple months later uh john like i've said before in past interviews johnny was their outlet for both of them because he was friends with both of them and he was the one person that they could tell uh you know their crazy life to who didn't judge them or they don't think they didn't think he judged them because johnny was living his own crazy life um so anyway, uh, so that was a tough one, and um, I have not watched part two. Uh, when I watch part two, and I can't tell you when I will, but when I watch part two, uh, I will uh, let you know my thoughts. Uh, but until then, uh, I'm happy to talk about it on Twitter, at David Penzer, if you want to hit me up. I, any questions, If you, uh, my, my, my life's pretty much an open book, and, and I'm not afraid to talk about anything. But I will tell you the visuals and the pictures and the story being retold uh, that at least led up to what uh, the second part uh, has dropped now. Uh, it, was a, it was a kick in the ass. So... Um, just wanted to address that uh, since I've been talking on social media about that, and uh, uh, everybody knows that it was a it was a tough evening. And then I turned on the real news, and it got tougher. But that's a whole different story. And no, and 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 that I shouldn't say that because you know what we're going through now, and uh, is is nowhere near uh, how crazy and 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 awful that situation was. So to com- I don't even want to be on record as comparing them. So I take it back. So I'm excited. Tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I make my quote-unquote U.S. world, I guess, if you don't count Europe, play-by-play debut. Uh, We've talked about how uh, I was reached out to by Scott DeMore to do the play-by-play of all things for a special edition uh, of TNA Wrestling. And for those who don't know, the only play-by-play I ever did other than that was 25 years ago. I did for about six months uh, European Nitro. And I did it under the name Dave Lawrence, Lawrence being my middle name, because I had to pitch to myself because it was one week behind. So I had to throw down to David Penzu, the ring announcer. And so I did it as a different name. And uh, my co-host was really the host. The guy who carried me for six months was Larry Zabisco. Uh, and other than that, I've, I've never done play by play. Maybe, you know, there was a time when I was doing indie shows that, that people thought it was cool to, and I never liked it, but people thought it was cool to do live play by play in the building. And, you know, I, people asked me to do a couple of those and they were paying me. So I did, but, um, never really did it. So, uh, there, if I'm being honest, there are a few cringeworthy moments and I was more of a storyteller than a match caller, but, uh, I think it was okay, all things considered, and um, I'm interested to know your thoughts. Uh, uh, let me know either on Twitter or uh, or uh, send me a personal message 
or if you got know me, just reach out to me. But um, I'm, I'm interested to hear what, what you think, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But excited for it and excited to revisit TNA. And in that vein, please welcome my guest this week, ladies and gentlemen, my co-host tomorrow night, Executive Vice President of Impact Wrestling, the one and only Scott Demore. Ladies and gentlemen, very excited to have my guest this week on City Ringside coming back once again, the Executive Vice President of Impact Wrestling, and even more important, my co-host. Tomorrow night at 10 o'clock on Access TV, we're bringing back TNA Wrestling. Scott Demore, how are you, Coach? Uh, I'm doing doing as good as anyone can do it in these times, David. And who would have thought 25 years ago when we met, actually 27 years ago when we met, that we'd be sitting here in 2020 on the eve of making our debut as a national, international, you know, broadcast team for for television. That's that's just crazy to me. If you'd have told me seven weeks ago, I wouldn't have believed it. Forget about 27 <laughs> years ago. But uh, yeah, I've told the story a couple times on the podcast here about uh, all the crazy things that happened in the, uh, uh, you know, getting a text from you and and the the sequence of events. That happened that made me uh, uh, return to uh, Impact Wrestling up in Atlanta. And it was a it was a fun time. And uh, it should be interesting to, uh, tomorrow night on uh, TNA Wrestling. Who'd ever thought we'd say that, those words again? But before we talk about that... Um, you made, you made, you alluded to the current situation that, uh, that the world is in. And it's obviously, it's changing by the, by the nanosecond. Uh, as a, as an executive vice president of, of a company that is in charge of, uh, basically live, uh, performance and, and with a crowd and, and a television, uh, pr- production, uh, how, how did you navigate that when, from when it first happened to, you know, as we speak, which is Wednesday. Yeah, you know, it's just been it's it, it's been so unprecedented and something that that I've certainly never experienced, and I don't know if if, if anybody in no. in history has had to had to experience. Now, you know, at Impact Wrestling, we're we're this is one of those situations where we're a little bit lucky in the sense that we we do get kind of ahead of the game in in filming content, and you know, we've still been airing content that we had filmed in Las Vegas. And now we're coming up, uh, we're going to start airing now content that we, that we shot in Atlanta a few weeks back before the, the world completely turned upside down. So we've been focusing on that and doing the post-production work and, and doing our best to put out uh, good quality wrestling and entertainment at a time like this, especially when it's, 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 you know, responsible and the right thing for everybody to do to stay home as much as possible and to practice all the measures that they're preaching this, you know, this is our opportunity to sit there and, and give people a reason. And a lot of times you're going stir crazy now here. Like we now this week, we get to give people not two hours, but three hours of sitting down and escaping. We've got two great hours of impact wrestling. And then that, that walk down memory lane that me and you get to navigate for, for TNA wrestling. And it's really, that's been a big part of it, right? Is focusing how we, we do the post-production on that and everything else. And, and then also planning for what's for the future. And, uh, there's certainly a lot of uncertainty with that as far as for what what's going to happen when we run out of content. You've seen other wrestling organizations certainly filming in in empty venues. That's that's something we've we've considered, but I mean we haven't quite made our decisions because we still have a little bit of time and the situation seems to change daily. And at the end of the day, we want to do the best we can to to provide entertainment, which we love doing, and and, and escapism for all of our fans, but uh, obviously first and foremost is the, the health and safety of our, of our talent, our crew and our staff. So we just can evaluate it every day and, you know, kind of brainstorm on different ways to do things. And we'll, we'll see how this all uh, plays out over time. Three weeks ago, could you have ever imagined that this all, you know, no, no live events, no crowds, no, no WrestleMania weekend. Uh, this just happened so fast. It's really amazing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I mean, you, you heard rumblings a little bit ago and and it was like, wow, are we really going to get there? And, and, and here we are. So it's just important that we, you know, we get through this and uh, everybody does their part. And in the meantime, you know, you get the opportunity to, to check out different products on TV and, you know, maybe reconnect. I know I've had, I've had people reach out to me that I haven't heard from in, in ages because everybody's got a little bit of time on their hands. So I don't want you. There's been a few times I went to use the phone and like the circuits are all busy and probably because there's 
probably more people talking on the phone than there has been in a, in a long time. Cause that's the, you know, the best way to connect with people at this point, uh, you know, sit around, you know, spend some time with family. Maybe we've gotten away from that too much, but, uh, spend some time with family, play some board games, watch some impact wrestling and some TNA wrestling. And, uh, you know, take this as an opportunity to reconnect on a, an interpersonal basis with those closest to you. What's a board game? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hey, uh, you mentioned that uh, other promotions doing uh, basically empty arena shows for because they really can't let fans in based on the guidelines without talking about each individual promotion because I don't want to put you in that spot. W- w- what did you think about that? Because it's, it's awkward when, you know, we, you were a wrestling fan, obviously, and then in the wrestling business and now on the executive side. Um, uh, what, what, did, what do you think of, of as a general rule of this empty arena thing? And uh, it, it, it's kind of freaky, actually. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's so different. And I mean, I tip my hat to, to every talent that's went out there and had to go out there and give it their all in front of a, uh, you know, an, an empty space because, you know, people talk about it all the time in, in our industry, performers, you know, really thrive and feed on that fan reaction. And, uh, you know, be, having to go out there and do what our talent does and the performances that they do and the amazing, the amazing, you know, things that they do athletically to no reaction has got to be, you know, extremely, extremely difficult. And I tip my hat to all of them for, for going out there and being true pros. I mean, I've made sure that I've, I've watched it because I want to see what people are doing. And at a time like this, I think it's important that everybody in wrestling support everybody in wrestling. You know, I mean, this is this has got to be something that is not just wrestling, but in general has to let us put things in perspective and look at what's important and what's not. And, you know, realize that maybe sometimes we get bogged down in things that, that aren't that important and, and, you know, we can really use this to refocus, you know, maybe and reprioritize how we look at things. So, I mean, I've, I've tried to be supportive. I think there's been some really entertaining stuff. I think there's been some, some stuff that's probably, you know, I mean, maybe didn't go up. But I, like, I laughed out loud watching John Morrison and The Miz do their in-ring. I thought they, I thought they did, uh, I thought they did, you know, fantastic in the one in-ring of them. I saw, you know, playing to know people and playing it up and, you know, Triple H, obviously, super entertaining that, that first night there when he was out there. And, you know, I watched the AEW show. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I got a kick out of watching, uh, you know, Sammy and, uh, and MJF that, you know, just singing their hearts out to uh, that was hilarious. Jericho's entrance music, you know, and it's you know, stuff like that. And, I mean, you know, I always say what we try to do in our industry is create memories for people. And uh, I think even in these these difficult and troubled and scary times, the wrestling industry has really been able to go out there and is still giving people memories, important and and good memories, which I think is great at a time like this. That's actually a great point of perspective for sure. And, and yeah, the, uh, the, I think maybe the Jericho line alone about Arn Anderson with the Waffle House menu might have been worth the entire two hours. But, uh, yeah, I guess you got to know Arn, uh, and know our business. But, uh, hey, um, Talk to me. You were uh, an indie wrestler. You're an indie promoter. You still are to some extent. I don't, um, with, uh, uh, Border City Wrestling. Uh, talk about the effect that this has had. You know, you see a lot on, on, on Twitter about these, these indie wrestlers that really, you know, take away, you know, forget about WrestleMania, which, you know, they made two months salary usually, uh, just in one weekend. But talk about, um, the effect on indie wrestlers and what people could do if they have the means to support those, those that can't work right now. Yeah, I think we're probably at an unprecedented time, I think in our industry in the sense that I think there's more independent wrestlers, you know, like not, not just guys moving from territory to territory, but guys that literally just go out and work for different promotions every night in the independent scene that are making good livings. And that's great, right? You can be your own boss, have freedom to move around, pick and choose what you do. And, uh, you know, I think with the advent of the internet and social media and everything else, people, you know, in talent have been able to build their own brands and make good livings for themselves. But these are people now in a situation like this, where shows and with good reason are, are all being canceled. This is, these now individuals that have, have, you know, bills to pay family to support. And they're now instantly overnight left in a situation where they have, uh, where they have zero income. And uh, a wrestler can't go apply for, for unemployment because they're an independent contractor. Same, I might add, for a lot of our crew, 
the people that are the, the cameramen and the grips and the video guys, you know, and the, sure. the EVSs and all these people that work on the crew, a lot of them in the, in, the, in the production industry are not employees. They're independent contractors and they get paid per day when they work. And much like a lot of other fields, it's not just hit our sport, but these are now people that have zero income coming. They don't have the ability to apply for, for unemployment insurance in some of these programs. And uh, I mean, they're really in a tough spot. Like I said, like, like so many, it's not just our industry. So if you're, if you're a wrestling fan and you have the means, then, uh, you know, most, most, most talent goes out there and uh, they usually have, you know, whether it's a pro wrestling tea store or their own e-commerce platform or whatever, go out there, you know, buy some stuff, especially a lot of them are really putting out really good deals because they're trying to bring in a few dollars just to help be able to make ends meet a little bit. So if you, if you have the means and you're a wrestling fan, Dave, it's a great point for you to bring up. If you can support them, you know, buy, buy a t-shirt, buy a DVD, buy a picture, you know, uh, pay for a, you know, a video message, anything you do like that to the talent, uh, certainly greatly appreciated at a time like this. Uh, certainly understand that there's a lot of fans that won't be able to do that because they're in, in their own same, the same spot. Yeah. You know, one of the ones that's blessed to not. Yeah. If you're blessed to not be in that spot and you can do something great. And if you do it, but for somebody that's not in wrestling, but somebody else, like it's anybody that you can help out that needs that help. If you're one of the ones that's blessed to be okay right now, from financial perspective, do what you can to help out. Like I just saw a couple of funds that are being set up for, uh, for crew people. Like I saw Matt Mitchell, you know, Keith Mitchell's son, who was talking about how he's taking a portion of what he makes and he's putting it into a, into a, a fund that's being put together for production people. So I, I think this is one of those moments where we just have to look to, if you, you are somebody that's blessed to be okay, then, then see if you can help somebody out. And that can come in a variety of ways, whether it's a donation, whether it's buying a product or whether it's, whether it's just, you know, whether it's just, you know, buying, buying a meal for somebody or donating to a local shelter or whatever you can do, anything you can do at a time like this, I'm sure is appreciated by a lot of people. Absolutely. That's a great sentiment. And that, you know, coming together may be the one lesson, the one positive that comes out of this is, is, uh, mankind seems to come together in times of crisis. And it's nice, uh, it's great to hear Matt Mitchell doing, doing something like that. Cause like you said, yeah, those, they're in the same boat, uh, in the production industry. You know, there was always a positive. They got to pick what they wanted to do. Do I want to do an NFL game? Do I want to do wrestling? Do I want to do a basketball game? And, you know, th- that was always great. And you always heard a lot of the production people talk about the freedom they had. Um, but you know, until that, fr- when that freedom goes away, so does the, uh, so does the revenue, the income. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword for sure. I, I was actually thinking not to harp on this, but I was thinking uh, the other day of what would happen if championship wrestling from Florida, the territory, stopped promoting. How, I wonder how many weeks even the top guys could go without having to get another job. I wonder how many weeks the Briscoes or Steve Kern or Mike Graham or even Dusty Rhodes could go if the, you know, uh, if, if, if that, that, uh, that revenue stopped coming in. I mean, it was every day of the week, you know, Monday, West Palm, Tuesday, Tampa, Wednesday, Miami, you know, the rest. Uh, and it just continued every single week. So it's an interesting thought for sure. Yeah. And it was the same, it was the same in every territory. And sure. as you know, I mean, the, the, the Dutch man tells of, of this world where the minority, the one, you know, Dutch, one of the first lessons he taught me when I was barely out of my teens was it's not what you make, it's what you save. And, you know, there's been some people that are really good at saving their money, but, you know, in general, wrestlers, you know, as they make it, they spend it. It's like, uh, do, you, do you know who Sailor White is? He was uh, yeah, Moondog yeah. King. Yeah. Um, I remember him looking at me, and I, I was just a kid, and I mean, I knew he was one of the moon dogs, and I'd seen some of his stuff, and like I said, I was barely out of my teens, and he's like, hey, kid, he's like, I'll tell you one thing, I made a million dollars in this business. He goes, but I pissed it all away, because the only regret is I wish I'd have made a million and a half, because <laughs> I'd have pissed away two million. <laughs> and that's how the boys live, right, unfortunately, yeah. and, and maybe that's a lesson that a lot of us will take from this in, in a variety of fields is uh, you know, we, we take things for granted in a lot of ways, you know, people, relationships, but also money. And there's a difference between between what you what you need and what you want. And and maybe people make take this opportunity to start evaluating, you know, really what they do need and, you know, and what they what are only wants. And, you know, still take some things that you want, but make sure that you, you, you know, nestle something away for a rainy day. Yeah, probably not. But uh, that's just human nature. Uh Talk to me a little bit uh, about 
I, I know you're not there and you're not in that position, but uh, what are the what if you were in the position of uh, executive vice president of WWE and they told you you had to do a five hour WrestleMania without fans? Uh, what what are the challenges and, and and maybe what are some of the things they could do to get creative and maybe do something uh, out of the box? We talked about this last week on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think that everybody's brainstorming and trying to think how to how to do things. I think I think one of the things we've seen with these events is as much as we want to make it, you know, the show goes on and as much as, as similar as form of fashion to as it usually would. I think some of the stuff that's been entertaining is the stuff that is is a little bit different. It's a little bit of the breaking the fourth wall. It's uh, you know, it's 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 Triple H grabbing a camera and having making light of things, talking about being quote unquote demoted. It's uh, Miz and Morrison, um, you know, going out there and basically saying, if you don't think that you know that Boone the Bounty Hunter was the greatest action adventure movie ever, you know, let me hear you. And then obviously <laughs> there's no people, so there's no noise. He goes, Yeah, I thought so too. You know, that stuff is funny. And, and like we talked about, Sammy and uh, Grimara, that singing uh, Jericho's song, and 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 people going out of their way to just do things to put a smile on people's face. That's, that's, uh, that's, I think ultimately it's a tough situation. I don't know if there's a great answer because if you cancel WrestleMania, there's going to be a ton of people that are disappointed and upset that you cancel WrestleMania. So they go through all these steps to try to still hold WrestleMania. And there's a bunch of people saying, Oh, this is terrible. And you're robbing so-and-so of their moment that should be in front of 75,000 people. And, or people are saying, well, it's, you know, all you, it's just about greed and money. And, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that, that go into these decisions and, and uh, you know, they've, there's, there's people there that have had to make them and in, in WWE and other companies. And we've struggled on our own level on impact on, on what's right and what's the most prudent thing to do. And, and, and I, I don't claim to have all the answers. I just, I just know if there's anything that, that they can do, you know, splitting over the two days probably helps. And I think that's probably a, a very interesting decision um you know on their part and i said i hope you know i hope that turns out and uh anything they can do that puts smiles on people's faces you know because that that's what that's what we do best is we rile people up you know we make them laugh we make them cheer we make them scream and uh anything you can do to to take people away from what they're dealing with non-stop being bombarded with in day-to-day life right now that to me would be the goal is you know and if it's if it's a couple guys going out there and, and having a great technical match, you know, this is an opportunity maybe to go out there and showcase some styles that people haven't seen enough of. Maybe that's something, maybe, maybe some people go, wow, like I, there really is an art to some of this, this uh, technical wrestling, this catches catch can wrestling. Maybe that's it. Some of it's going to be the comedy, obviously. Right. Some of it's just create moments. That's what we do when we're doing things right. And it's a, uh, it's a tough spot to be doing in front of no people. And, uh, like I said, I tip my hat to all of them and uh, let's just get through this. And at some point in time, hopefully come out the other side and get back to whatever our new normal is. Yes, sir. I agree. Hey, um, I, I had mentioned on the podcast in the uh, past couple of weeks that I was really impressed by um, by a lot of the young talent that you have in the locker room there at Impact Wrestling. And uh, one of the, uh, the matches that really stood out to me uh, the, the weekend in Atlanta, I believe it's going to be the main event of the the last show that you taped, is uh, was uh, the North, who I was really impressed with, uh, against um, Eddie Edwards and Tessa Blanchard. Uh, that match blew me away. And I it was the first opportunity, really, for me to see Tessa uh, live uh, with the with the in the intergender thing with wrestling the men. You know, you see it on TV, but I had never seen it live, and it actually makes a difference. Um, how, how how difficult a decision was it uh, trying to decide uh, to do the intergender thing and 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 to to make Tessa the, the the centerpiece of Impact Wrestling? Not because she's a woman, just because you know, really on a national scale, the men versus women thing has never really been done, other than more than like uh, you know China versus Disco or you know China, or Disco versus Jackie or China versus. Uh, Jeff Jarrett or whatever. How, how, how difficult the decision was that? I mean, it was certainly, uh, you know, something that took a lot of discussion and, and consideration. Uh, and, and basically a lot of dinosaurs like me and you maybe coming from a different era because, you know, I much like you was probably taught, like you don't lay hands on a woman. Um, right. so the idea of a, a 260 pound 
you know, man like Michael Elgin, you know, who's a, who's a monster of muscle smashing around Tessa, who's, you know, a hundred plus pounds smaller than him. You're like, yeah. But I mean, you, you have to really get, get over those things and have to appreciate, you know, the type of athlete that the Tessa and many of the women in this industry are. And, you know, the fact that times changed and what, what our thoughts were and how we view it, like, uh, I think a lot of the, the newer generations, the younger generations don't look at it and say, oh, well, this is, this is, this is a man abusing a woman because they've been raised um, maybe in some way, like I was never taught that women were lesser than I just were taught they were different and you, you treat them a different way. And, but today's generation is from video games, you know, women fight men in Marvel movies, women fight men. And uh, it, it's more acceptable because they've grown up seeing it, but they haven't seen it on this level in wrestling. So, you know, we're a genre that is sometimes we do maybe lagged behind it. It goes back to, you know, to me, some comparisons are similar to when we started the knockouts division and, uh, you know, having, you know, Gail Kim and awesome Kong and Jackie Moore and, you know, ODB and, you know, Angelina love and all these amazing female performers. And that was at a time when the wrestling industry, uh, if you were a female wrestler, you were, you know, as get you were wrestling in mud, you might be doing a bikini contest. Sure. You know, you might be doing an evening gown match as, yep. as Gail Kim says in one of the more, you know, demeaning, you know, demoralizing, no pun intended moments of her career somewhere. Else. She was, she and another 24 year old were fighting over who got to, to sleep with a, you know, 50 something year old man. Um, and when we started presenting women as athletes, even against other women, there's people that are saying, oh, well, people don't want to see women wrestle. Like that's disgusting. Like that nobody wants to see that. And nobody wants to see women beat each other up. Well, apparently they do because we were the knockouts was such a huge success it was one of the highest rated seg was the highest rated segment on the show for well over a year um and it showed that that people were willing to to look at women in wrestling as, as serious athletes and competitors and we're kind of taking the next step in that now putting tessa and some others tessa obviously at the forefront of it and doing the intergender stuff is uh is is if there's going to be a normalization period where there's going to be a lot of people who don't like it there's going to be some people that there are kind of you know, concerned, don't know how to take it. There's going to be a lot of people that enjoy it. And it's certainly something that is an issue that divides people and people have very strong feelings on, and we respect that, but we're out there looking to do things that other people aren't doing and looking at trying to represent things that other people aren't representing and a strong, powerful woman like Tessa, like Tessa isn't, you know, is arguably not just the best female wrestler in the world, but arguably the best wrestler in the world. Like she's unbelievable, regardless of gender, regardless of size. And if you weren't somebody that had a problem with Rey Mysterio wrestling the big show, but you have a problem with Tessa wrestling the Michael Elgin, then I think you have a bigger problem than, than how you view Tessa Blanchard and Elgin. I think that the bigger problem is how you view the world and how you view women in this world. So it's, uh, you know, it took a lot of thought, a lot of consideration, a lot of discussion, some argument. And ultimately, we decided that uh, a lot of our competitors wanted it, both men and women, and uh, some didn't. And, you know, there's some that still their personal beliefs, it's not their thing. And it's probably not everybody's thing, but it is something that a lot of fans react to and a lot of people appreciate. And I think putting out a strong female role model like Tessa um, is, is a great thing to put out there for for uh, people right now. And I mean, I hope we get to the day where we're not just talking about Tessa as a role model for women. Tessa should be a role model for everybody. She sure. up every day. She works hard. She goes out there. She's the very best at what she does. Um, and that's a role model, a role model that you can take regardless of your gender. And we see that we see, we see, we see, you know, boys and men and everything else respecting Tessa. We see, we see little boys and girls looking up and appreciating Tessa, wanting to be like Tessa. She's the world champion. She's the very best at what she does. And that's something to be appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah, you, I have a lot of, uh, uh, women wrestlers on who, who, on the podcast who say, you know, you ask them who they grew up watching and they say, uh, Trish Stratus and Lita because, uh, they really were the first ones that were allowed on a national scale, uh, like the knockouts to be able to shine as wrestlers as opposed to, you know, like you said, the uh, winning gown matches and stuff like that. And, uh, so yeah, there's going to be a whole generation of, of, of men and women, uh, who grew up in this business wanting to be like Tessa Blanchard. It's, it's going to be interesting looking, looking forward 10, 15 years, how, how that, how that, 
you know, you got to keep rolling with uh, life or else uh, life leaves you behind. Hey, real quickly, uh, you had, you had uh, said a pun on words uh, about demoralized. Uh, uh, did you ever use, uh, uh, do like a finishing move and call it the demoralizer? That, that was my finishing move. Is I mean, that what you saw it because I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> Did you really call it the demoralizer uh, though? That was that was that was the name of my finish, and it's funny because the first the first name we had for it, which made no sense and was nowhere as good, was called the demorgasm. And, and why the hell would I go in the ring and give another another you know, person an, an <laughs> orgasm in the ring? But it just was something cool for the. And then it literally the TV station came back and said, "There's zero chance that's making it here." <laughs> so the announcer had to go back out and yell. You know, the read, voice the finish screaming, and we used demoralizer. And uh, funny story. Myself and Raven, who's a very good friend of mine now, and we got to catch up with in Atlanta. He was angry at me before he knew me, as Tommy Dreamer said, you know, to 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 know you sometimes is to love you and to not know you is probably to hate you. And and Raven had this thing against me for the longest time. And you know how kooky Scotty is. Yep. It's like we're back. We're at the point where we shook hands. We we're nice. But he never really liked me. So I was in a car with me, Dreamer, Nova, little Guider, Guido. Uh, we're driving. Dreamer answers his phone. And it was Raven, and he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, where are you going to show? He goes, oh, who, uh, who you with? And he's like, uh, he's like, oh, I'm with Guido, Nova, the master of the demoralizer. And Raven goes, who? And he goes, the master <laughs> of the demoralizer. And Raven goes, eh, who's that? And he goes, it's Scott Demore. Raven goes, oh my god, that's the name of his finish. I love it. Uh, tell him I don't hate him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Raven operates, folks. Right. And the best part is, I didn't even know that he hated me at that point. That's why I found out he hated me and he stopped hating me. <laughs> I always actually, funny you mentioned that. I actually always thought, for whatever reason, I got a vibe from Tommy Dreamer that there was heat there. And so when I was up in Atlanta, I actually asked him, and he claims there isn't. But uh, uh, I, I don't think I'm his favorite person. But that's cool. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not everybody's. You, you know as well as I do, Scott, that I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And my favorite part, though, uh, Dave, is that you, you, you walked up to Tommy Dreamer and asked him, and he, he just kind of he told me he looked at you and goes, "This is the first time I've ever met you." I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so he told you the story, huh? Oh yeah. Oh jeez. Yeah, huge. Point. He's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like. MBD, he's like, your buddy Penzer is insane. <laughs> I'm like, of course he is. You can't do anything in this business without the whole world finding out. Jeez, I thought I was making news by, I thought here, here I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to be self deprecating, whatever the word is, and, uh, and, 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 and deprecating. deprecating. Yeah, thank you. Easier for you to say. Uh, as I, and, and tell the story about how I, you know, humiliated myself. Cause just cause you mentioned you never knew Raven didn't like you. And, and, the, the, you know, turns out how should, how would I not know that in this business, uh, he went right back to you probably five minutes after it happened. And you guys laughed about it. Uh, hey, um, yeah, I just wish he would. I wish he would have filmed it. <laughs> um, without getting into details, because I don't want to. I would never put somebody on the spot to talk about personal stuff. But uh, I, I know that uh, everybody knows what happened with Scott Steiner. God, God bless the fact that he was that he's okay and actually made. Believe it or not, I don't even know if you know this. He made an indie show that Friday. He didn't wrestle, but he went and signed autographs that Friday. So, uh, uh, which was nuts. But I, I know that you caught. A, you spent a long time actually. Because I had to run back to my room, get something I had forgotten, come back in an Uber, and the whole entire time I was gone, you were when I left, you were talking to Scotty. When I got back, you were talking to Scotty. So you guys really got to catch up on a personal level. Um, and uh, and and then what happened at the end of the night? Uh, how 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 you know it's great being executive vice president. It's great being the boss or the top guy in the one of the top guys in the company. But but how how is it? Uh, affect you when uh, you go through something like that and you have to at the same time keep everybody else calm and you're sort of flipping out internally it's uh you know it's 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 not fun obviously um it's it's uh it's one of the things that it's it's why sometimes people people in authority go gray early or go bald and it's it's i'm both and i have no authority (laughs) um but you know, like, 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 like that was hard. Uh, I, I first met Scott in June of 1993. Uh, my first ever television wrestling match was in Columbus, Ohio. It was again, it was for WWF. It was against the Steiner brothers. That's when I met Scotty and I've known 
known him for 27 years. You know, crossed paths many times over the years in TNA, out on Indies internationally. Like at times, I spent a, as you know, I spent a ton of time in uh, in uh, Atlanta because you were getting a booking fee the whole time. So no, you know, not me. I would I would never take a booking fee from you, Scott. Come on. <laughs> right. So I mean, I got I got to know Scotty over the years, and and having to. And, and, you know, seeing that happen and, you know, the, the way it turned, it's it just like, it just, it just eats at your insides. You don't know what to do. Um, you know, I had to get on the phone with, with Scott's wife, Krista, and kind of like let her know what's going on. I mean, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Uh, you know, going to the hospital and uh, sitting there and the whole drive there, which seemed like it took hours and it was sure. probably 20 minutes. All I could think of was, oh my God, I, I, I can't believe it. Like, what, like, how did this happen? Um, you know, and to be there, get to see Scott and, and Krista was wonderful. Like at one point, one of the doctors and nurses said that, you know, uh, a family can, can come with us now. And, and she basically said, everybody here is Scott's family. Wow. And that included, you know, Dreamer and Joey Ryan and Swinger and myself. And, and that meant a lot to us. And, and we got a chance to at least, you know, know that he was okay. We gave them their privacy, but got a chance to see him, know that he, he was okay. And, and, you know, it, uh, it really, you know, in an odd way, was a blessing is, you know, I never thought about it. And Krista kind of told me, the doctor told her, she's like, well, she goes, she goes, uh, thank God he was with you guys, because if he was anywhere else, he, he, he probably wouldn't be with us now. Like the fact that he was there and there was EMTs and a defibrillator, every, all that, they, they were able to do everything that needed to be done to make sure that Scott was going to be okay. So um, and yeah, he, uh, he was in his hospital bed when he told uh, swinger, like what time, what time we getting together to make the town next week. <laughs> Cause that's, that's Scotty. He, uh, you know, he loves the business and he loves, he loves getting out there and, uh, you know, he still can entertain the fans and, you know, if he can go out there and cut a promo and be big Papa, then, uh, you know, I have a feeling that he's probably going to do that, <laughs> you know, despite anybody else's, uh, concerns or wishes. And I'm, I'm glad that he's healthy. I've talked to him. He's, He's doing good. He's feeling good. Oh, good. Um, Krista said that, you know, everything looks good. Like, you know, as far as for his, his recovery, the doctor says he's doing amazingly well, which is fantastic. And uh, that was one of the hardest, that was one of the hardest nights um, I've ever had in the, in the wrestling business. I mean, you know, me and you were out there calling the show and got word. Which was tough, end, was which was tough on. enough as it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then, and then going to the back and, uh. And going into that room, and it was just—I'm just—I'm just, I'm just so glad, and we're, we're just—we're just—we're just lucky, blessed. He was with us. He was taken care of. Like, like this is—I mean—and especially as we deal with everything going on today, going on today in this world, like, don't lose sight of the fact, like those EMTs to me, like I—I I had tears in my eyes when I talked to them the next day, thanking them because I don't know what me and you, Dave, are ever going to do in our life that's good, that's going to equate to even a fraction of what those guys did that night when they when they saved a human being's life. And, uh, and for them, it was just another day at the office. And, and while everything's going on in this world, I mean, that's what we got to remember is, you know, all the big stars and the Tessa Blanchards and the Rob Van Dams and the Tommy Dreamers and the John Cena's and the Chris Jericho's and the Edges, they're heroes, you know, but the real heroes are the, the people that just show up to work every day, like in the medical field and other things. So you think about all those people that are leaving their houses and their family right now and going to a hospital or a medical facility and risking their life. Sure. To make sure that, 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 that they can help others. Like to me, that's just, that, that's mind blowing to me. And that's, uh, I mean, I have a different perspective now. I think I'll, I'll always will. Every time I, I see the EMTs and that at a building, I mean, like I always kind of made a point of like waving and saying hello, but now, I mean, I think I'll always make a point of going over and shaking their hands, knowing their names and, and, uh, you know, just like I have a real appreciation of, 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 you know, I've never seen them have to do something like that before. I've yeah. seen them, you know, take somebody up. I've seen them say, oh, he's this or that. But, I, but to, to watch them, you know, like, like save a human being's life, it's like, uh, like, like what an amazing, you know, thing and skill those people have. Yeah, I don't know if you know this. You probably do because you know everything, including what I said to Tommy Dreamer. But um, uh, there was an indie wrestler who was, whose shoot job is as a sheriff uh, in Georgia. and. Yeah, laser. And he actually, yeah. he, I, he, I got to thank him. He actually, uh, drove me, took me to the airport the next day, um, after it was over. But well, I well, did. So, so, sorry, Dave, but I got to say, like, like, thank him for taking to the airport. But laser was like the first guy on the scene. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, he was, yeah. And it, it is again, it was like he, 
to, to him, it was no big deal. Like here's a guy who's a deputy sheriff deals with, deals with the public, sometimes deals with really bad dudes. And then on top of it, it's fully trained in CPR. And he was right there working with the EMT. Yeah. He was taking um, over because the EMT yeah. was getting blown up. Cause he said, you don't realize, yeah. especially on a big guy like Scott, you don't realize how much work that is. So he, he gave him yeah. a, when, when the guy needed to take a break, he jumped right in and, and saved the guy's life. So, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't know if you knew that, but interesting story. So let's talk about, yeah. let's talk about this TNA special. Uh, who was the first person? How did the whole idea of bringing back TNA, even if it's for one night only or pay-per-view, how did, who had that idea and how was it brought up? Well, I mean, it's one of those things you see it all the time. The fans are always bringing it up because, you know, TNA certainly had its issues over the years, but, you know, TNA made a lot of great memories and put on some unbelievable events over the years. And there's a lot of fans that remember that and miss that. And it gets brought up all the time. And it's one of those things when, when we first came in, you know, the discussion was was basically like, it was almost like uh, there were some people that wanted to scrub TNA you know, for like as if it didn't exist, right? Hey, it's Impact Wrestling. It's always been like, okay. Um, you know, but I mean, you, you can't walk away from all those years of history. I mean, you can't, as I've said many times, like we can't, we can't, we can't run from our history. We embrace our history because there's a lot of great parts of it. And there was that. And I mean, look, there's certainly a champion in our locker room in Ethan Page and uh, getting it approved for Ethan Page and Josh Alexander to basically on our Twitch channel, watch old TNA Asylum shows. And, uh, and, you know, kind of do like the mystery science theater while watching it was, was cool. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's always talked about. And, uh, you know, we, uh, there's certainly some rumblings and again, it was just always thinking of what to do different, especially at WrestleMania week, what's going to make, what's going to make your event different from, uh, from, from all the other events going on. There's tons of great wrestling events. What's going to make your event be one of the events that people can't miss. And, uh, I mean, really, we were, we were in the ring. There, it was at a fan engagement event in Chicago the night before Bound for Glory. And, you know, fans had asked a couple of TNA questions and a TNA chant started. And, you know, me always being a glory hound basically, <laughs> you know, said, Hey, like, boy, it seems that there's some people here that really miss TNA. And the crowd's like, yeah. And I'm like, boy, does anybody, would you people want to see TNA? Yeah. And they're chanting TNA, TNA. I was like, all right, well, you asked for it. You know, you got it because because we're doing a TNA reunion show, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know exactly what I said. The place exploded and Don Callis looked at me and goes, what was that about? I was like, I didn't. I just like, I went with it. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I talked to Ed Nordholm and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, well, it's kept kind of out of the bag. Like, I'm kind of committed to it. I don't know if you heard. And, uh, you know, it was really cool. And then the response we got to it was was unbelievable. Right. There's a lot of fans that, that, that love TNA and those fans have felt like they've been in some ways pushed aside. So like, I love impact wrestling and impact. I'm so proud of what we've done, but that doesn't mean there's not a, there's not a whole hell of a lot to celebrate about TNA. And the fact that, uh, that we got to, to, uh, look at doing a TNA show and that despite everything, like we were lucky enough to get this, this one hour episode, uh, the special episode for access TV and fight TV, uh, you know, uh, in the can, and that, uh, you know, we get to go out there and people get to watch one hour TNA show. And David, we were right there ringside. Yeah. That show had a pace that no wrestling show in this business has anymore. Like it, it truly was total non-stack. I was like, boom, 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 boom. It like, flew, didn't it, it feel flew, to you? It flew like, by. We, yeah. yeah. It's like we, we went out there, we sat down, the show started, and it felt like six minutes later we were, we were thanking people and, and signing off. Absolutely. It was so fast. It's just, it's so fast paced. It's what... It's what TNA was meant to be, you know, no time to breathe, like, like video game wrestling in some ways, like boom, 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 you know, and to have Hernandez from LAX and obviously Big Poppy, Scott Stump, having Big Papa Pump out there, Scotty Steiner, having, you know, Swinger in his classic gear, Kid Cash, Kid Cash looking great. I, I mean, having not seen him in years and, you know, I mean, having these guys and Rhino, of course, who's a former world champion in the TNA era and all that stuff. It was, uh, to me, it's a really cool one hour. Uh, you get to see something that's a little bit different, a little bit fresh, and it's paying uh, homage to uh, to a rich history. So to me, that's uh, it was a really it was a really cool experience. I uh, hope people enjoy it. Tune in and and enjoy. You know, like it's uh, like I'm I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud that we were able to to go out there and do that. It's um, I think in a lot of ways it's totally different 
than uh, than our impact show, which I'd love to death too. And I think we do a great job of character development and slow burn storytelling and everything else. But it's it's that it, it's it's TNA. Like you know, me and you kind of laughed a couple times calling it. Like hey, like at one point you said, huh, this is just so TNA," and it's exactly what it was. One of the you things know, that a lot, of, a lot of chaos. One of the things that I thought was cool is that is that nobody, including us, really took it all that seriously. It was kind of kind of like you know the the, the stuff in the empty arenas uh, that they're doing these days. I find that the best uh, the the best uh, uh, st- stuff that you see, like the Miz and Morrison and Triple H and uh, Guerrero singing the the song, uh, Judas, uh, is is sort of like embracing the obvious and kind of having fun with it. And uh, and 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 people will see. I think tomorrow. Uh, the 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 hour goes by quick, but a lot of it was kind of just kind of laughing at at some of the things that uh, that happened in the TNA era, uh, you know, instead of just yeah. pretending like they were all great. Uh, but it, I, I'm, I'm and, 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 and some of it, sorry, was both crazy and great. Like, look, King of the Mountain had some unbelievable moments in it, right? Some some death defying, spectacular. Uh, athletic stuff, some great moments emotion-wise and everything else, world champions crowned, all that. But is there anything funnier than in that episode that's about to air, going to the roster, most of them, you know, so young that they were kids when this happened, and going to them, unpro- and just, like, no prep, and just saying, hey, what are the rules of the King of the Mountain? And watching them stumble around. <laughs> One guy knew it, I think. Yeah, yeah. One yeah. guy, one guy knew, and and I gotta say that that was one guy more than me because I still can't figure out what the rules of that match are. I think I I probably would have had to if uh, if and when this uh, this pay per view happens, which we, uh, I know everybody hopes that that y'all could still pull it off down the road. But uh, right now, you know, everything like you said we talked about earlier, everything's in flux. Hey, I'm sitting here with a pad of paper. And I, you know, I, I write questions and topics that I want to talk to my guests about. I, my question to you is how many pages of a pad of paper did you have to go through writing a name, everybody's name that could possibly do play by play before you got to David Penzer? <laughs> well, I'll just say this. It's a good thing that I back onto a golf course that has thousands of trees because I probably killed about a dozen. <laughs> I thought it was I, I, until it airs tomorrow night. I'm still going to think it was a rib just to. Uh... <laughs> and I, you know what, David? I mean, it's 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 funny. I mean, we were sitting. It came together so fast, like this access TV special. We were out there. We were laying things out. It was like, boy. We've got a little extra time to capture some content. What can we do that's cool and different? And was thinking like, boy, this would be cool—a one-hour special, in you know the the ten o'clock hour, right in between the the premiere of Impact and the replay at eleven. Um, and it was like, boy, that'd be cool, and it would push to the to the TNA. There's no place like home pay-per-view. Like it'd be neat. We see what happens. We'll see what a wrestling show does having Impact as a lead-in and. Um, I, you were one of the first, I, I, as soon as I got it, I don't even know if it was officially approved when I text message you and I was like, Hey, are you available these dates? And you're like, yeah, why? And I'm like, well, have you ever done play by play? And then you tried calling me. I hit ignore because I didn't want to explain. And then we never talked and you can confirm this is true, but I actually, your travel was booked before I called you and you answered the phone and said, boy, I think I've got one on you now because I go, why? Goes, we haven't even talked money and I've got travel. And I said, well, don't get too high on your horse because that travel can be canceled until uh, midnight tomorrow night. <laughs> I, I, I didn't tell the story, but I'm glad you did because it was funny. You, 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 in natural wrestling uh, uh, order, you embraced the heel side. I was giving you the perfect opportunity to be the baby face, but you embraced the heel side of yourself. And, uh, and yeah, um, and why wouldn't you? But, uh, but yeah, it, it, the, the story is crazy. Um, and I told it last week, but uh, I, I actually, when I got the call from Bob Rider to do the, to book the the flight. I had just come from a WrestleMania luncheon and had just met for the first time ever and grabbed a picture with Stephanie McMahon and uh, and and put it on uh, Twitter saying the interview went better than expected. Dot dot dot. And I had all these people thinking that I had an interview with Stephanie McMahon. And what was funny about that whole thing is, you know, oh, you're getting back in the business. You're going to be you know, is is at the same time Bob Ryder's calling me to really get me back. You know, at least for a weekend in 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 the business. <laughs> so it was a it was a crazy 24 hours of, uh, of 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 a lot of stuff that went on. And I appreciate you having me. I hope I. Uh, 
I hope that you don't regret it. And I, I just look forward to uh, to whenever you guys could do that pay-per-view to uh, to coming back down and hopefully being a part of it however small way I can. But uh, but yeah, really excited. Tomorrow at 10 o'clock, uh, I would suggest if you're not uh, a regular Impact watcher, hey, why don't you start at 8, watch the Impact show. I can promise you that the talent, uh, the young talent that they have there is fantastic and will not let you down. And um, and then you could uh, get a little bit of nostalgia with uh, myself and the coach, and uh, hope that uh, hope hope I did okay for you, coach. It was uh, it was not in my comfort zone, but we did it anyway. We persevered. Hey, hey, man! I'll tell you what. Uh, for you to go out there, having not done play by play since you did what Nitro Europe, like twenty. 20- 20-something years 20, ago. 25 years um, ago, Nitro Europe for six months with <laughs> with Larry Zabisco, who, by the way, could have called the thing himself. Oh, for sure. But, you know, <laughs> I tell you what, man, it was great It was great to have you. Our, our careers have intersected many times over the years. And much like when I when I called you, I think, to fill in for, uh, for a taping, you know, the first time with TNA, um, you know, thought it might only be a day or two. And, I mean, heck, you got a four-year run out of it or so. Five so, years, I mean, yeah. I, I know, I know you, once you, once you get your claws in, uh, you get going, but I'm glad you were, I'm glad you were there for this. I'm, I'm looking forward to you eventually when we reschedule the pay-per-view, have you be part of that. And, uh, you know, like I said, credit where credit is due to, to, to prep and dust off and go out there in completely out of your comfort zone on, on almost no notice and to be like, yeah, hell, I'll do it. And, to and sober know, appreciate you being there. Yeah. I mean, hey. <laughs> So never knew you had a drinking problem, David, until you managed to show up one day sober. <laughs> hey, Scott, thanks for coming on. Uh, uh, appreciate you always thinking of me, and you always do think of me, even though there might be a couple years in between. But uh, I appreciate it, and let's stay in touch. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, like I, hopefully, it won't be the last time we can work together. Sounds good. Appreciate it, David. Want to thank Scott Demore for jumping on, and I'm sure his. Uh, He's uh has a lot more important things to do. He has uh several businesses in Windsor area and also runs a wrestling company. Um I meant to ask him if he got any he's also uh on the board of Axis since uh, since Anthem owns that and I meant to ask him and I had it right here and I forgot if he gets any uh like concert perks. If he goes to like LA, does he get because if you never if you never watch Axis and you're a classic rock fan, uh rock and roll fan, uh even country fan, uh check it out. Uh not only for Impact Wrestling and the TNA special tomorrow, but um Tons of great concerts. I, I would say my uh, my DVR is at sixty percent full, and I'd say forty five percent of that is concerts from Axis. So um, great network if you're a music buff like I am. Uh, and just to show how how uh, how fast things are moving, uh, we pause for about five minutes between the uh, taping the opening of this podcast. And the close of this podcast, and uh, they passed at uh, Hillsborough, my county, will be going under lockdown order. So that's just showing you how fast in the span of a open between an open and a close. Um, the I must stay home, which isn't really a lockdown order because you could go do a million things, but that's a whole another story for a different day. Anyway, want to thank Scott. Uh, great to talk to him. Always uh, great to hear his insight and. Um, uh, look forward to everybody seeing the show tomorrow. And again, let me know what you think on Twitter at David Penzer. You can hit me up. Uh, you can PM me on Facebook. Let me know what you think. The good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, I'm under no, <laughs> I'm under no gui- guidance or thought process that uh, I'm the second coming of Jr. or anything close. So, uh, but but I'm curious for your input. And uh, it was interesting. And you know, it's I've. I've uh, never not jumped at a chance to work to do anything that was a challenge in life. So uh, I jumped at the chance to do that. I'd have been silly to turn it down out of fear that I was going to f- fail. So uh, let me know your honest thoughts. I appreciate it. And hopefully um, it won't be the last time. You never know. So um, hope you enjoyed the uh, the interview and uh, my thoughts about uh, the Benoit situation. Kind of stumbled through that. It was that's a difficult deal, boy. But um, uh, and like I said, we'll, uh, we'll let you know when I, if and when I watch part two, and I, I will at some point, uh, let you know my thoughts on that as well. Um, hey, listen, 
I know that uh, I've just got an order where I got to stay at home, and I know a lot of you guys have gotten an order where you got to stay at home. So uh, uh, spread the word. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast and know uh, fans of wrestling and wrestling stories and hearing insight, uh, let them know. Send a quick text or an email or, uh, or if you talk to them on the phone. Uh, spread the word about City Ringside. Uh, I've had a lot of people, I don't want to say a lot, but I've had a couple dozen people in the last few weeks who have reached out to me and said they either, you know, discovered the podcast cause, uh, they've been at home a lot more or, uh, you know, that they've been listening to the archives. And if you haven't checked out the archives, it's a ton, a ton of stuff in there of wrestling history and stories. So, uh, help spread the word. And, uh, that's all we ask you to do. We're not asking for you to, uh, to make a payment or to, uh, or to buy a t-shirt at this point. Um, But uh, all we're asking you to do is spread the word. And if you could do that, I would appreciate it. And uh, we'll continue to keep hopefully putting out entertaining and informational and great story wrestling stories uh, each and every week right here on City Ringside. You guys be safe. And until next time, I'm still David Penzer. I'm still David Penzer. And I'm losing my mind. And I'll see you next time here on City Ringside. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a Landry Football Quick Fix on Radio Influence. The NFL general manager were hoping that let's postpone it for now. We could have it in May. We could have it in June. We could have it as late as July, July 4th area. I think it was significant that the league owners and the league office said, no, we're keeping it on the same time frame. Quite frankly, and it's a little sobering, and I was on one of the subcommittees and was on a conference call this week, and hearing this kind of hit me a little bit that people that are in close contact with the health officials are saying it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And that April is going to be worse than March and May is going to be worse than April. So the chances of it clearing up, it's actually probably going to be worse and more difficult. We need to go ahead, have the draft, just like we didn't postpone the start of free agency when a lot of people thought that would have been the right thing to do. The league decided to go ahead with it. And look, no one really criticized the NFL for it. In fact, it was the only thing going on in sports that people kind of gravitated to. The thought is obviously not likely going to get better. And look, if we have it in April, granted, you're going to be missing, you know, some key components in the evaluation process, but you're going to be missing it anyway if we had it in June or July because this is not getting better. And, And look, there's a possibility that maybe by June, July, that the other sports will start to come back and play. We will own the sports calendar. If we have NFL draft weekend, even in a sterile environment, you think about it, and I wasn't really thinking, nor do I ever really think about it being a attentions grabber on television. It's a work environment for me, the draft. Think about they see it maybe as a positive window, even though more mistakes may be made. The Landry Football Podcast with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.